Dan Lanning made an appearance on John Canzano's radio show, The Bald Face Truth. couple of thoughts on that, plus, where should Oregon be looking in the portal? There are a couple of names I think the Ducks should be going after. I'll tell you who they are. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again, Duck fans, for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you're listening and leave a five-star review. Always appreciate that. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Today's episode doesn't have a, uh, a title sponsor. I don't make the rules. I just abide by them. It's kind of my general rule in life. So let's get into it. So Dan Lanning was on John Canzano's radio show, The Bald Faced Truth, which uh, if you want to go listen to, it's about a 15 minute interview where Lanning's actually on there and you can check it out on SoundCloud. I, I don't know why they put it there, but that's just kind of what they do. Uh, and it's not that hard to listen to. But anyway, so the the interview is there. That's the nice thing about SoundCloud, I guess, is it allows you to to kind of cut stuff up really easily. And there were a couple of quotes that stood out. There was nothing groundbreaking in the interview per se, but I did think he made a couple of interesting points. He again referred to Oregon as one of the premier brands in college football and said that on the recruiting trail, from what he has seen thus far, Oregon is well represented in the places that he has been, but also that Oregon is very well received and that when you show up with that green O or a yellow O on your your jacket or shirt that it you know has an impact on guys and they they see it they know what it means respect it and have a, a presence about that the coaches are able to have a presence about them and I, I think that is a very good thing to hear and you want to hear your head coach promoting that sort of stuff another thing he said and this just speaks to his mantra his persona his mo as a coach he's a grinder through and through. And I say that because he name-dropped his 7th grade PE teacher, who he remembers as being the first person to instill the pride of being a coach when he was just a, a teenager. And that was when he knew he wanted to be a head coach. And he very much exuberates that sort of energy. And there's a great story out there about him that you can find and read talking about one of the first coaching positions he had. And I think it was actually for a graduate assistant spot, not even a, a full-time job where he was making any amount of money. And he did have a, a wife and, and kid or two at the time. And he drove 13 hours to interview at the University of, of Pittsburgh because he is that committed to it. And, you know, he didn't have the money to just, pay for a flight and a hotel he he drove 13 hours to get there and that that sort of grind and grit I just I love that because I love when guys are are committed to their craft and have been for a long time and want to be good at it and want to get better at it I think that that was a really really cool story on on Dan Lanning and speaks to you know the kind of guy that he is and he's our new head coach, and I, I just I'm counting down the days until we get to see him 
coach uh, an Oregon football game. And it's a bit of a rude introduction in 2022 with Georgia, but it doesn't make me any less excited because I think he could be really good. One thing that Canzano asked him, I thought was actually a really fascinating and valid question to ask, is he asked him about you know whether or not he should have had a hire on the staff who was sort of an anchor or a veteran or you know not a, a or kind of a mentor per se and and the staff doesn't really have that guy and i i understand why you would want that and i think there's even a decent argument to be made that a young head coach should have that sort of guy but if you're a young coach in your first opportunity and you've got the chops to do what you have to do to win at a high level don't necessarily need that guy. It doesn't mean that having someone like that can't work, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, with regards to that question, you've either got it or you don't. And if you're going to be able to succeed on your own, here you go. You're getting thrown into the deep end. You're the head guy. Delegate what you need to delegate. Control what you need to control and see if you can make it work. I thought that was a good question from Canzano. Uh, he asked him about the quarterback room as well. And he again made it clear, as he has for the last couple of weeks since since Bonex transferred to Oregon, that he's excited about the talent. He, he respects Bo as a competitor, and he made the point to call him out in a good way. The other quarterbacks in the room and say that he wants to see them compete, and he wants to have an open quarterback competition and. Though Bo Nix is certainly the leader in the clubhouse, especially with us playing an SEC opponent on the road to open the 2022 season, I think Dan Lanning is serious about you know this being a, a competition. He's going to give all three guys, Butterfield, Thompson, and Nix, a chance to compete. Another thing he talked about, and this is perhaps the most fascinating part of the interview for Duck fans, is... Canzano said, you know, Oregon fans got used to a high-octane, fast-paced offense under Chip Kelly, and then under Mario Cristobal, it was, you know, grounded pound, commitment to the run, not a lot of tempo, not a lot of explosive plays. What is the offensive philosophy? What do you think about all of that? And I will tell you what Dan Lading said after I tell you that this is it. It's the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade Upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash locked. Okay, so the, the comment about the, the tempo and, and the way that Oregon wants to play offense, I thought was a good answer from Dan Lanning, but also I, I think might might relieve Oregon fans a little bit, give them a sense of like, oh, few we're going to you know hopefully at least in theory try to do it this way he said we want the ability to adjust our pace and he said that you know in the past he's struggled with tempo as a defensive coordinator because it puts a lot of pressure on your defense and getting calls in quickly it's a very hard thing as everyone who tried to defend chip back in the day knows 
but he wants to be able to attack with tempo, but he also said he doesn't want to be stuck there. But he also doesn't want to be stuck on the other side, right? They want to be balanced in how they come at it, and he stressed the importance of explosive plays. And I think that that is an encouraging sign for me compared to the Mario Cristobal era, because what I'm expecting from Dan Lanning to be a head coach at the University of Oregon, who I feel very good about, is I want him to be able to build on and continue doing the things well that the Ducks have done over the last four seasons under Coach Cristobal and that staff, but I also want him to be able to improve, and I want him to be able to clean up the things that were consistently problems. Game management at the end of the halves, tackling in space sometimes, penalties, coaching, just having the team be well-coached to execute in the red zone, all that sort of stuff. The special teams as well were, were a little bit of, of a weak spot. And one of the things I think that probably frustrated all of us as Oregon fans over the last couple of years was sometimes Mario's predictability when it came to wanting to run the ball and playing at a certain tempo and being so committed and locked into that that we didn't feel as multiple or explosive on offense as we perhaps should have. And I think it was especially a problem in short yardage situations when Marcus Arroyo was the offensive coordinator because once Joe Moorhead was in there, he was way smarter and way more clever in those situations. But I also think to an extent, because of the way Mario wants to play, because he's an offensive lineman and he wants to you know, put your foot in the ground, punch the other guys in the mouth and all those sort of idioms and such, I think at times it made us you know, sort of one, uh, a bit of a one-trick pony. Is As an offense, if we can run the ball at a high level, it's, we're going to succeed. But if we can't do that, then the offense is going to struggle a little bit because we're not used to throwing it down the field or getting our wide receivers heavily involved. So that could be a very welcome change for Duck fans if that offensive philosophy, again, this is all in theory, we'll see what happens in actuality come 2022 football season, but that to me is an encouraging sign because you know Mario said before, that's what they want to do. They want to run the ball first and foremost. They want to be committed to it. Offensive line be, be the identity, and it was. And Dan Lanning says, look, we want to be able to use tempo, but we don't want to be stuck in tempo. We want to you know, adapt to what the defense is doing, and I think that's a smart way to play offense. If the tempo's working, then go for it. But sometimes the game script calls for slowing it down a little bit and, and playing that crystal ball style of offense. So I, I think that that was a, a good thing to good thing to hear from our new head coach, and hopefully that's going to come to fruition in uh, in this fall when football season finally gets back into action. He was also asked about the uh, transfer portal, and his comments were pretty straightforward about it, You know, saying he wants to focus on the guys in the locker room right now, but obviously it's changed the game, and yada, yada, yada. And before I get to a couple of names that Oregon, I think, should be looking for in the transfer portal, just as a general note, this offseason, some teams have been hit really hard by, by the transfer portal. And I and Oregon, even with Dye having his name in there, I, I don't think is going to be obliterated by it when you look at the totality of the roster once things are set and done in, in the fall season. Because Travis Dye 
and DJ James are still the biggest names to have gone in the portal. You know, Jason Jones went to Auburn. He didn't play a lot. So did DJ James, by the way. Um, Robbie Ashford, also going to Auburn. Uh, it's just a weird, weird connection there. Don't know what it is, but all right. Um, Robbie Ashford didn't play a snap. You know, is it my favorite thing in the world that guys like uh, the ones I just listed and Trey Benson have entered the portal? No, because I'd like to see what we have there sometimes, or I'd like to see players like Travis Dye come back. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, another name that I saw a couple weeks ago going into the portal was a walk-on tight end named Cooper Schultz, who played in 13 games this year. He often made the travel roster. And that's probably not a name you've heard until now, but that's kind of my point is when those are the sorts of guys who are leaving, ones who were not making a big impact, right? James and Die still the highest impact guys to leave the University of Oregon this offseason and all the craziness that is the, the transfer portal and NIL and yada, yada, yada. It, it could be way worse. It could be dramatically worse and I think there's potential with uh, the addition of Christian Gonzalez to help fill that role from that DJ James left or the void that he left, I should say. And I, I think that there are places that that the Ducks can go to fill the other holes as well. But even if Travis Dye leaves, as I've said, the running back room is going to be fine. They've got they've got plenty of talent in there. I I really don't think that's going to be a concern. But speaking of the transfer portal. There are a couple names out there that Oregon should be on the lookout for, and I'll tell you who they are after I tell you that Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON. To get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so there are a couple of names that I hope Oregon is looking at very heavily in the transfer portal because they are. Uh, able to, I think, come to the Ducks and maybe provide an immediate impact. There was a defensive end from uh, TCU, or there is, I should say. His name is Ochan Mathis. Oh, maybe it's Ochan, Ochan, O-C-H-A-U-N. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. And there haven't been any rumors that he's connected to Oregon, but this is a guy that would really help out the Ducks defense in a big, big way. Originally, he was a three-star recruit coming out of the state of Texas, not really highly recruited, but he's had an outstanding career playing at TCU under Gary Patterson, who Steve Sarkeesian at Texas hired to be a a special assistant. I think that's a really, really good decision because Gary Patterson has won a lot of college football games and, and knows how to coach defense. I mean, for a long time, TCU has been the only legitimate defense year in and year out in the Big 12. And this guy, Ochon Mathis, was a two-time second-team All-Big 12 selection. He had nine sacks in 2020 that led TCU. He was tied for the team lead this past season with four sacks. And the important thing about him is he's a defensive end because we know that on the interior of the defensive line, 
Oregon is pretty set for 2022 and they know who their who their guys are going to be, right? It'll be uh, Popo Almave with Brandon Dorless and then uh, Taki Taimani, the, the Washington transfer as well. I, I think that he will be a guy who rotates in and out pretty frequently and the defensive line is a spot where you tend to rotate players pretty often. But, 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 with the departure of Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end position, I think, is one of the biggest weaknesses for Oregon on on the defensive side of the ball going into 2022. I, I think cornerback also has a little bit of a question mark there. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, I think, definitely helps to to shore that up. But you know, we'll see if, if maybe Dante Manning will pop. I certainly hope he will. Uh, a five-star guy like that, I think he's underperformed at this point in his Oregon career, but maybe he just needs the right coach, like, you know, a, a defensive mastermind, shall we say, and uh, Dan Lanning, who did, uh, you know, just architect one of the best defenses in college football in the last, like, 20, 30 years, maybe even ever. Just just saying, maybe that'll help. But th- th- this guy, Mathis, he would only have one year of eligibility left, I believe. He might have two, but... I, I think he's someone who could at the very least be a, a stopgap at the defensive end position because typically Georgia plays a 4-3. They go four down linemen and three linebackers, and we, we know who those two interior defensive linemen are going to be, but I think Oregon leaves a, a little bit to be desired at the defensive end spot. Mathis is rumored to be looking at Texas, and that would you know make a lot of sense with Gary Patterson being there and Steve Sarkeesian uh, having Texas needing defensive players in a in a pretty significant way, but if Oregon could somehow swoop in and grab him out of the portal, he hasn't committed yet. As I'm recording this on Wednesday night, I think that'd be a big help. Another name to look out for on the defensive line is Lee Hunter. He's a former four or five star defensive lineman, depending on where you look. Four star according to 24/7 Sports, but he was a top hundred player in his class. He's in the portal. He hardly played in 2021, and he was the sort of guy that when the Tigers got him, the fan base was going, whoa, we got this guy, big-time recruit, and he just never popped. A little bit like Taki Taimani and, and Jason Jones, you know, Taimani at Washington, Jones at Oregon. They, they had the hype, have the physical attributes, and for whatever reason, just quite hasn't clicked. So I, I am all in favor of getting some defensive line help and He's a guy who has clearly got the potential, and the Oregon-Auburn connection is clearly there. I mean, it is ridiculous. You know, we've gotten Bo Nix, they've gotten Jason Jones and Robbie Ashford and DJ James. I don't know if two schools have ever had that close of a connection, so maybe it's an omen that we'll be able to go get Lee Hunter. I'm not opposed to bringing in more depth on, on that defensive front. On the offensive side, there is one name who is in the portal, He's coming from a Pac-12 school, and I think that Oregon should be all over this guy because I liked him ever since I first saw him when he was playing for South Medford in high school. His name is Chase Cota. Chase Cota had a little bit of a reduced role in the offense this past season for UCLA under Chip Kelly and company compared to what he had done in the previous years. And, you know, part of that is that Kyle Phillips, their other receiver, is really good. And Kaz Allen, I mean, they've got some talented skill guys down there in uh, in Los Angeles wearing that powder baby blue. But Chase Cota was a supremely talented recruit 
four-star guy out of South Medford High School. And here's where it just makes all too much sense to grab him for his last remaining year of eligibility of college football. His father, Chad Coda, played football for the Ducks. He went to South Medford High School, which is down in Southern Oregon. I've been to Medford many, many times. It's actually where my dad is from, except my dad went to high school there. I always give him a hard time and say that he's uh, old enough to the point where he went to high school there when it was just one Medford High School. Now there are two. Chase Coda, dad played for the Ducks, grew up in Medford. That means in all likelihood, he grew up going to games at Autzen. And if he doesn't want to play for... You know, a good offensive mind like Chip Kelly at, at UCLA, that means he just wants a change of scenery, and maybe there's no place like home. He is not going to necessarily blow you away with any of his physical attributes, but that doesn't mean that he is not a gifted player physically and talent-wise when you watch him when you watch him play football. He's familiar with the Pac-12 already. He's had success, proven that he can compete with these corners all over the field. I think there's a lot of logic there, and he would be joining a wide receiver room that I've talked about before on this show, I think has a lot of promise, but they're also very unproven. You bring in a guy like Chase Cota, and he is a veteran presence for all the other young young wide receivers, right? Dante Thornton. Chris Hudson is, is the most experienced of the guys, and he was a true freshman this past year who you know, grew into a bigger role as the season went on, which was great because we saw what he can do. But Thornton and Franklin and Crocker and Seven McGee is moving to slot and Chris Hudson. There's talent there. You could still use some more depth and they'll have Justice Lowe coming in as well. Talked about him on yesterday's show. But Chase Cota having four years of college football under his belt, that, that makes just way too much sense to me. So I hope uh, I hope we can get another another hometown recruit, you know, in the sense that he, he is from the state of Oregon originally, and that that's the guy in the portal. You know, Mathis, little bit of a, a long shot at defensive end. Lee Hunter, not as much. He's a little bit more uh, likely than though. I haven't heard any rumors specifically. He, he hasn't been tied to any schools directly, right? It, it looks like Mathis is going to go to Texas. You never know, but. You know, Lee Hunter's a guy they could get, but Chase Cota is a guy that Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, and the rest of the staff, I, I think they've got to be all over him to to get him to come to Oregon because the fit is is really, really perfect. Also, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. Just uh just a note that is a little little bittersweet. The Oregon men's basketball game for Thursday against Washington State was canceled because of issues within the Cougars program. And that part of it sucks, but I'm now at the point where I'm bummed anytime these games get canceled for either side because I want to see what these teams can do and I want to watch them because they're getting me fired up for March Madness, which is right around the corner, and that is the greatest sporting event on planet Earth. Remember, if you want to get a question answered here on the show, hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or use the hashtag AskLODPod. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.